So let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Um, okay, I want to get to some things we talked about um, on our call that I, I think are so powerful and I want um, like our listeners to hear potential doctrinal misconceptions that people have in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints specifically, but I think might be applicable in a more broad sense to Christendom in general about education. So one of the ones um, that I've heard a lot, and I'm sure many of us have sat in a similar Sunday school lesson, you know, the um, the scripture in Ephesians on the armor of God, right? This is Ephesians 6.11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then it talks about the, I'm going to get these wrong, but the sword of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And we go through all of that and we talk about it. And inevitably, um, I hear comments from parents that go something like, this is why we hold scripture study in the morning before our kids go out to ch- go out to school so that they can be armed with the armor of God and be ready to, to face the evil that they're going to face in school, right? They'll be strong enough to withstand that. Um, that's always bothered me. And since starting the school, I've spent the last um, five years really trying to find scriptural evidence that that is a real doctrine, that you can spend 30 minutes in the morning, um, or if you're lucky for us, it's more like five or 10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, especially you throw in some, you throw in some like five-year-olds or three-year-olds in there. Like that's like, Uh yeah, you might be five, three minutes. Yeah. I don't know. You're like one scripture. How does this apply to you? Kind of. All right. No purple penguins don't apply. Okay. Next we're done. (laughs) Right. But, but can 15 minutes of feeling the spirit counteract six, seven, eight hours a day, five days a week of what our son described as yucky, right? Um, And we've had students over and over and over again come say the same thing. You know, we have conversations about what is a holy place? Um, School's never on that list. It just isn't. Um, And that's not something we try and feed. Public school's never on that list. They do normally say that they feel that way here. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, so, you know, one thing, and that's another one of my favorite scriptures, right? Doctrine and covenants 45, 32 is, but my disciples shall stand in holy places and shall not be moved. But among the wicked men shall lift up their voices and curse God and die. Um, and I think sometimes in the church, we think that it's put on the armor of God or stand in holy places, right? If you put on the armor of God, then you're okay to go stand in unholy places. Then you can go like play in the watering hole with the crocodile. Like the prison packer talked about, like what if you have the armor of God, then you can go crocodile hunting or that's totally fine. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what that, that armor might slow the crocodile down, but it's going to get you either way. It's just a matter of It also slows you down too, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, So it's, it's stand in holy places and, put on the whole armor of God. You have to have both. Even if you're in holy places, you can't neglect 
scripture study, right? You can spend time at church and at home. And if those are holy places and you're not praying and you're not studying your scriptures and you're not doing those things, then you're still vulnerable. But you've got to do both of those. And one of my favorite stories, um, there's a couple in the Book of Mormon that I think just support this idea. And that's um, Amalekiah and Lahontai, right? Amalekiah is the guy that defected from the Nephites. He goes and has this master plan to overthrow the Lamanite king so that he can come and take over the, the Nephite government. And at one point he's sent, he's given control of the Lamanite armies to go try and um, regain the loyalty of a group of Lamanites that didn't want anything to do with going and fighting the Nephites again. So Malachi gets up there, Lahontai's at the top of the mountain. And Amalekiah tells him, come on down and talk to me. Like, I'm supposed to come and kill you, but let's talk. Come down from the mountain. And Lahontai refuses. So finally, Amalekiah gets Lahontai to come down a little bit. He says, all right, don't come all the way down. I'll come up almost to your camp. Just come down a little bit and bring your guards with you. And it'll be fine. And what happens? Well, he brings his guards down. Lahontai comes down a little bit off the mountain, brings his guards with him. He's sure he's going to be fine. But ultimately, he's uh, persuaded by Amalekiah to come down. And the end result is Amalekiah poisons Lahontai and he dies. Um, you know, and, and after this, over and over again throughout the war chapters, the overarching theme is do not leave your place of security. Every time the Lamanites get decoyed out of one of their strongholds, you know what's going to happen. They're going to lose it. And they do every single time. And it starts with this story of, of Lahontai. You can't come down from your holy places, from your places of security, even a little bit, not even if you come with your guards, not even if you think you built your guard up, because you are vulnerable if you do. Um, Another example that I love is the story of the stripling warriors. And this is a connection that I didn't make until I was looking for it. But the stripling warriors are an example of stalwart, faithful youth. They're so strong that the Lamanite, they, they're not killed in battle, right? They, they go through battle after battle and they come out unscathed. And the rest of their army is just amazed at their faith, amazed at their, the fact that they've been preserved. And we hold them up as, and this is what we want our kids to be. What we miss is... 10 years before that, so when they would have been in elementary school or maybe middle school, um, depending on their ages and what stripling means and how you interpret that, there's lots of different ways to look at that. Um, a guy named um, Korahor came and he tried to teach, uh, tried to get in with the people of Ammon, came, tried to get in to teach his doctrine to um, this group of people that eventually became the stripling warriors. Um, and his philosophy was there is no God. Everyone manages according to the creature. Um, it's modern day atheism and what it's, it's, you read through what he says. And it's like, no, that's kind of the perspective that we teach, that our public schools teach from. And when he went in, his parents, or the, the stripling warrior's parents kicked him out. They weren't allowed, he wasn't allowed in there. They didn't let him come in and set up a public school and send their kids to the, the school of, um, Corian, or of, of Korahor. They kicked him out. So that they could teach their kids and build faith. And that's that's what led to these youth being incredibly strong. So I think that's the other fallacy that we get is that somehow in order to be strong, you've got to be comfortable in the great and spacious building. Um, and that's that's not what we get from Lehi's story. We're, we're not supposed to send our kids across the river to attend school in this great and spacious building. We're supposed to stand in holy places. We're supposed to teach the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us God. We're supposed to um, 
build them up to be strong, put on the armor of God. We're supposed to be a light that is on a hill. We don't take that light down into the dark valley. We're the light that's on the hill and we want to invite people up to us. Um, but we don't come down from that hill, not even a little bit. So that's awesome. I've never thought about the light on the hill that like, yeah, like that would be not smart to like take your light and be in a dark place because, oh, well, everyone will see my light. Okay. So yeah. what though, and, if you're in the dark, like, well, and the light's no, meant to lead the light. It's yeah, not, the it's light's not meant, meant to be light to for light's sake. It's meant to, to no, lead. And, and here's, yeah. Here maybe a counter argument that people might think, well, Christ taught sinners. He taught publicans and, you know, and adulterers and all these things. But yeah, <laughs> he wasn't going into the brothels though to do it. He wasn't going into the dark places. They were coming to him and he taught them and he welcomed them and he loved them and all of those wonderful things. But he didn't go set up shop in a bar. Right. Yeah, I so, love that. So one, uh, another potential counter, counter argument is, um, you know, especially as believers in classical modes of education, uh, you need to have your ideas challenged, right? And so you look at some kids who come out of schools where they are kind of put through the philosophical and spiritual ringer, if you will, and they come out extremely strong because they've had to fight for their testimony and they've had to, um, you know, they've faced actual not just philosophical, but like real challenges to their testimony and to their value systems. And they've come out really strong because of that. So what would you say to that? So um, I would say to that, that this world, um, our kids are not sheltered from that. Um, You know, our kids, you know, if if you do anything outside of school, if you're involved in sports or if your kids go play at the park, if your kids drive down the street and are exposed to billboards, right? You are, you are challenged and you will be challenged. And so I, we don't ever, um, recommend that you only, um, you know, that it's school and that you completely shelter children. Um, I think the idea of inoculation is an important one. And I think that's another thing that people say is, well, no, our kids have to be inoculated against evil. And what we miss is inoculation comes in small doses, right? No one was inoculated by taking a bath in chicken pox. That's a bad idea. Um, and that's, that's what we get when you're surrounded, um, by evil all day long. So my, um, my counter argument to that would be, yeah, they came out strong. Imagine how much stronger they could have come out if a hundred percent of their education was spent on building them up and building faith, Mm -hmm. right? If they weren't constantly, under attack, if they were in an environment where they could feel the spirit all the time. Again, it goes back to the same thing. A lot of those soldiers that were fighting with the stripling warriors were strong and there were faithful people. Um, but the stripling warriors were stronger still. And it was because they, they were in, in this environment. And, you know, I, I would also say we are fighting a spiritual war and the time, the timing is important, right? We are all going to face challenges um, but we don't send six-year-olds to go fight battles because they're not physically, they're not um, developmentally, they're not social, you know, they're not emotionally ready for that. So timing is important as well. Yeah. And and as you were talking about this, you're talking about inoculation. Again, I, I'm thinking back to the time in the revolution that there was the, was it the smallpox? one of the pox, I can't remember, like the, the way that they inoculated against that, or as they would like go get a cut 
from like, yeah. like a boil from another person, like a, like the pus. And then they would like cut themselves and then shove it in there. Yeah, those are the first inoculations. <laughs> yeah, like so, like oh my goodness, what is wrong? Like the theory behind it was like semi-sound, but like the practice, like they frequently overdosed because they frequently shoved too much in there, and it wasn't like a really good way of doing it. Yeah. But like the right. smallpox were so devastating. Like okay, well let's try and do this, and so it's like better than nothing, right? If you're like. Uh, maybe like to use your example, like so that's like a if you're trying to inoculate against evil, that's one aspect of it. But there's also the eating right and exercising and like maintaining your health and doing all of these positive things. And then there's inoculation, and then there's vaccination. There's other little things that have to come into play where you have to be exposed to it. You can't coddle your immune system, but like the emphasis really should be on on health. Right. It's like, like COVID mm-hmm. you look at what happened, uh, like the biggest comorbidity was, was being overweight. Right. So like the thing that could have helped us most was being healthy, right. Mm-hmm. Go figure. And so there's yeah. all these positive things that are probably more important than the inoculation. Even if the inoculation is important and has to happen at some point, the, the positive things, are much more powerful and we can do that much more proactively and the inoculation is going to happen. Yes. And it is impressive to me. Like our children have had all kinds of exposures. We had our son went and played at the park and he had a kid that was bi come up to him and talk to him. And this kid had just barely kind of come out as bi. And so he was exploring that. My son had no idea what that was, Um, but he came home and he's like, Mom, can we talk? And so we had a great like, conversation. I have some questions. <laughs> I like, my friend asked me if I'm bi, and I'm not sure what that means. And I was like, oh, well, let's, let's chat about that. And he continued to play with that kid at the park and um, still had a good friendship with him, but was able to go back then with, you know, armed with a little bit more information. But it was, you know, it wasn't a bad experience for him. He learned more where he stood and he was okay coming, you know, and having those open and honest conversations. And I think that's an important part of it as parents. We need to make sure that we have that kind of a relationship with our kids. Mm -hmm. But, but to assume that just by not going to public school, that your kids are not going to be exposed to all of the evil that is ever present. And that Satan is unabashedly trying to shove down our throats is also inaccurate. Um, If you turn the TV on, you're going to find it. If you like, you know what I mean? Like it's everywhere. So um, just taking the the dosage down um, doesn't mean that your kids are not going to be exposed to all of that and have those same similar anyways challenges to their belief system. Yeah. And, you know, the fiery darts of the adversary are going to find us no matter what and will be strengthened that we won't be tempted above that we are able to bear. But we always then take the analogy of, well, if I, you know, if I don't want to be tempted by alcohol, I shouldn't go spend time in a bar. Right. And we seem to understand that we can teach our kids about the word of wisdom. We can teach the correct principles. And then when they're invited to a party where there's going to be alcohol abuse, they should say no. Right. We don't say no, go and just sit there and grin and bear it and just hold up, (laughs) read your scriptures before you're going. You're going to be fine. No, we don't do that. But for some reason, it's okay everywhere else. Like we're, we're going to face adversity. We're going to face trials. We're going to face temptation no matter what, and it's going to push us to the limit. That's going to help happen without us seeking it out. 
And that's going to happen even as we're doing our best to stand in holy places and put on the whole armor of God. We don't need to go spend time in the bars and in the unholy places in order to truly test and prove ourselves. That's going to come because we live in a fallen world. Uh, Any other of these spiritual misconceptions that you want to go over? And I would like to also emphasize um, how we and how we address them if we're not in an area that has this option that has Liberty Youth Academy as an option, mm. or or maybe um, homeschool isn't an option for whatever reason, because there are lots of people who are in situations, uh, both familial and financial, that make that not possible. But I think that the beautiful thing about principles is they're applicable in all situations. Right, you don't just, yep. you don't just you don't just drop principles, but maybe help us try and see how do I apply these principles. One of the ones that I think bears talking about too. We are a missionary church, and Christianity in general is very we're we're missionaries. That's what we do. Um, you know, before when Christ called his disciples, I mean, these guys had barely left. I mean, their fishing nets were still wet, and he calls them and sends them out to preach in the countryside and to teach. And to try and, you know, share his, what they had learned, they'd learned very little at this point. That was one of the first things they, they did. So we're, you know, we're missionary church. And so one of the concerns that we've heard a lot is, well, but my, my kids have got to be in a public school. Otherwise they can't be missionaries. And if, if the public school is in so much trouble, they need to be in there to help it. Um, so I want to address the second one of those first, um, I don't know any adults that feel like they know how to fix the things that they see that are wrong with, um, with the public school system. So if us adults don't know how to fix that problem, it is completely inappropriate for us to expect our kids to try and fix it from the inside in an environment where they can't even wish each other Merry Christmas. What, what are they, how are they going to fight that, right? If they're facing detention or whatever else, if they wish their friends Merry Christmas, um, so, you know, that for one, that's not our kid's job to fix that. That's on us. So we need to stop trying to make that our kid's problem to fix. Um, mm-hmm. The the missionary one, you know, I think it's really um, important to realize, too, that we're told over and over again that we have to obtain the word first and then we can go share. That's what Hiram Smith was told as an adult. First, seek to obtain my word, and then you can go share it. Um, you know, what we're trying to do with our school and what so many parents that are homeschool parents are trying to do is help their kids obtain the word first, get themselves solid so that when they reach out their hand to throw out the life preserver to someone else, they're doing so from a very solid footing. Um, I think that's important. And number two, you know, I especially I've heard this a lot in reference to president Nelson's um, call to the youth to join his youth battalion. Right. And he, uh, he's talking about, we need you guys engaged in the work. We need you to be a part of this. And it's interesting when you look at the specific things that he gave the youth to do, to prepare, to take their place as, you know, soldiers in the Lord's army to spread the gospel. Here's the five things that he said. Hold a seven-day fast from social media. Get off of social media. That was one of them. For three weeks, make a weekly sacrifice of time to the Lord. 
That's number two. Number three, keep on the covenant path. If you have wandered off, get immediately on the road of repentance. Number four, pray daily for all to receive the blessings of the gospel. And number five, stand out, be a light, set the standard, give away one copy of For the Strength of Youth. These are all things that anybody, regardless of where they're going to school or if they're homeschooled or not, every single youth can do those. And that's no accident um, that those were the things that President Nelson put in his call to the youth are things that anybody could do. Our students here at Liberty Youth Academy can do it. Any homeschool kid can do it. Anyone at public school can do it too. But this is not, um, you know, the brethren nowhere that I have been able to find are saying, you got to put your kids in that situation, right? If anything, it's, you know, it's keep them, raise them up in the way they should go, teach your kids truth, um, stand in holy places, don't be moved, put on the armor of God, don't leave your um, your places of security. And the few cases where you see something else different happen, right? You've got um, Ammon and his brothers who are just incredible missionaries. They're adults. They're adults. Um, they had the strength that they needed to go face that. Um, nowhere do you see young kids being told by God, go out and do that. The one example exception I see is David, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God didn't send them there. That was Babylonian <laughs> captivity. Right? So yeah, maybe, maybe not them, the, the example we're all trying to. <laughs> I, I don't know. I suspect when I meet them on the other side, I'm like, what did you think about that Babylonian school you went to? I suspect they wouldn't see that as ideal. Not to mention the fact that the whole Jewish nation had been taken captive. And you've got the story of four youth who were strong enough to stand up. Why were there only four? The rest of the Jewish nation that's silent in the face of that Babylonian education, that's harrowing to me. Yeah. Um, that's a scary, scary thought. There, that silence is is terrifying. Yeah, and there's this idea that kind of goes along with this that I love. Um, that sometimes and it's partly a, a product of our, oh, American Puritan individualist background, our cultural background and upbringing, which still heavily influences, especially Latter-day Saint culture today. Um, this idea that like, I have to like experience things for myself. Like I have to, I have to learn things like through my own personal experience. And I don't want to like, um, I, I want to be made or be like self-made. Right. Mm -hmm. And to kind of pull myself up from my bootstraps. Uh, but that is also not scriptural, right? Like the Lord frequently says, Hey, I'm going to tell you what experiences you need to have for yourself. And I'm also mm -hmm. going to give you a ton of other experiences from other people. Like you can just read this and get it yourself, right? Like get it yeah. from them. Like you don't have to do every single little thing yourself. And there are some lessons I'm going to need you to learn very specifically on your own through experience. And I'm going to give you those. But part of trusting God is trusting that like he will tell us which experiences we need to have personally and which experiences mm -hmm. we can have vicariously. Well, and I, I think our founding fathers would think it was ludicrous to think that we should try and learn everything over on ourselves. One of the things that made them so successful is they were 
avid students of history. And during the Constitutional Convention, that was one of their biggest concerns is how do we learn from all the mistakes that all of these people, volumes and volumes that we've read about the mistakes of people of the past. And we want to avoid that. We don't want to repeat that. Right. And that's, that's what the constitution, that's a product of trying to avoid mistakes of the past and learn from the successes of the past. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I just actually finished a, a book on the, I say the, the first, but it's like really like the series of uh, British revolutions that happened about 120 years before our revolution. Mm -hmm. Um, And looking at how, like what happened there was actually in a lot of ways was fairly was fairly similar to our revolution, the lead up to our revolution. Basically, how <laughs> history kind of like like you can see how the Lord was providing stepping stones, historical stepping stones throughout the millennia, like back to the Roman Empire, um, mm-hmm. or like the Roman, I guess the Roman Kingdom, and then the Roman Republic, and then the Roman Empire. Like that whole process laid the foundation for. Uh, a group of honorable men to look back on history and be able to pull out lessons and apply them for themselves. So in conclusion, the question is, um, what would you say to people who are in a situation where this isn't a viable option um, and uh, who maybe pray and feel like, no, like the, like, while I think that I agree with you, Braden, that like, this is might be the best thing to do. Um, I'm praying in, in my specific instance, I feel like my kid does need to go to public school for whatever reason. So I've received personal relations that does need to happen or he's going there because I have no other options. Right. So like, what do you say to them? So I, I kind of want to make one point and then I want to, I'm going to turn over to Bonnie for the, you can do homeschool. If you think you can't, you can't um, <laughs> because that's a common misconception too. But I think, I mean, ultimately you've got to be, you know, president Nelson's been talking about this a lot. You've got to live in a way that you can receive inspiration. So if God is telling you to do something, do it. Now, if you're getting the answer to go to public school, but you aren't open to any other answer, that's a problem in and of itself. So if you're going to God with a single answer that you're willing to accept and he gives you that answer, that could be the problem. Um, be, be willing to to accept a different direction from Heavenly Father. If, you know, anytime I go and pray, and if I'm not willing to get a no, then I need to do some some thought work to make sure that I am ready to accept that. So be open to a different course for your life than what you have. Um, This was not something that we thought we were going to do. God told us to do it, and we did it. And that's um, that's what we need to be willing to do. So if you think you can't homeschool, be willing to pray. And if he tells you to do it, move forward with faith because you can. Yes. And I, um, I loved homeschooling and I am a product of homeschooling. So homeschooling did not scare me, but I have helped many people get started on homeschooling where it terrified them and they did not feel like they could. But I, more than that, what I feel like I want to say is just understand that hard is good. Hard is really good. I can't remember what conference talk it is, but we are here to be challenged and to learn and to grow as parents and as individuals. And if God tells you to do something that totally terrifies you, get comfortable with that terror. It's going to be okay. God (laughs) has got you. God has got you. 
because I've talked to so many people who have come to the school and interviewed or, and, and they're just like, we're just exploring options. I'm not really sure what we're supposed to do or whatever. Um, but understand that if homeschool is, the, is what you're supposed to do, you can start small. You can start just with core and that's going to be fine. Your kid's going to be totally fine. They're not going to be ruined. You're not going to hurt your kids. You can start slow. And then as you get your feet under you, you can continue to build on that if that is what the path is. Um, but just make sure that you get good and comfortable with doing things that are hard. And then also um, don't ever accept something that feels less than what is really right. Um, whether that means, I don't know if that means that maybe you haven't found a small itty bitty, tiny little in home private school that you didn't know existed because they don't advertise at all. Those exist all over the place. So even if you think, I thought we were in an area where there were zero private schools. I have found many other private schools. A lot of them are little itty bitty eight kids in house. So don't don't, if you don't feel comfortable with whatever the school system is, if you feel like God is saying, this is not right for you. Um, and maybe for whatever reason, you truly do feel like homeschooling is not an option, but you don't feel comfortable with any, like you don't feel like rock solid, like, yeah, my kid's going to be fantastic. We're going to be good. God is telling me yes. Then that means there is another option for you. So don't, don't assume that there's not an option for you. There are many, 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 many options available right now. Um, so don't be afraid of really hard. And like Braden said, like get really comfortable with an answer coming that you don't like. Cause I think more and more, we're going to get that answer that we don't like that answer that I got that said, Nope, you've loved homeschooling. You've loved being a stay at home mom. You're going to give all of that up. You're going to miss a whole lot of firsts from your last baby because you're supposed to be in a classroom teaching students. That was hard. That was really hard for me to have somebody else tell me tell my baby was doing first without me. I did not like that, but understand that that is something that you'll be blessed for and that your kids will be blessed for if you make that effort. So just, I know that, I know that there's lots of different um, ways to educate kids, but I am less and less inclined to feel that public school is the one that, um, that God is going to truly say that this is where your child belongs. I think it's a very exceptional public school if that is the case. And I think it would be the exception rather than the rule. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is don't sell yourself short. Um, you know, if you have access to prayer and you have access to the gift of the Holy ghost and you are a parent, you have access to revelation directly from the creator of the universe. And there is nobody who can do better for your kid than you can. A teaching degree does not imbue that type of access to revelation and truth and and pure knowledge. It just doesn't. It doesn't. And God loves your kids more than you do. And he's (laughs) going to make sure that they get what they need. And if you are willing to do whatever it takes to give them that, he is going to give you the way to make it happen. Yeah. Oh, that's super powerful. Thank you for sharing that last little bit. That was great. So if we have people who are, you know, excited about Liberty Youth Academy and want to get involved, want to support, want to send their kids there, where are they going? What do you need them to do to keep this going? <laughs> okay. So to keep this going, we, um, we mentioned earlier that we are in the middle of needing to expand in both locations. We've got people asking us uh, to open locations in new areas. And as a private school, we don't get government funding. So um, money is always in short supply. Um, 
you know, our, <laughs> our tuition is a fraction of what the public schools get. Um, a fraction of any private schools either. We just don't take, we want to make it available to as many people as we can. So we keep our tuition low on purpose. So for example, here we charge, it's like 4,000 a year in tuition. The public school gets close to 8,000 a year. So the local um, private schools get like eight or nine. So, um, you know, we feel like that's important. And so what we're trying to do, the way that we are able to help this grow and keep it available to as many people as possible is we do need um, donations and financial support that we can use to fund our building and expansion costs, our facilities overhead, um, so that we can keep every dollar that we've got to go to our teachers and go to educating. Um, and that's how, honestly, that, that's one of the big ways we do that. If you are if you are able to donate or help, I mean, even a little bit goes a long way. A thousand cookies makes a crumb. Um, a thousand crumbs. <laughs> no, a thousand, yeah. <laughs> Cut that out. A thousand, a thousand cookies make a lot of crumbs. I mean, the way the way I eat cookies, a thousand crumbs make or a thousand cookies make a crumb. There we go. No, I can't get it right. Anyway, so every little bit helps, and you can donate by going to libertyyouthacademy.org for uh, forward slash donate, and that's what that would go to is those facility costs. Um, if you know of anybody that. Um, might have access to, I don't know, that might be willing to donate construction, or if you know anyone that might um, be willing to donate themselves or has any idea on how to help us out, um, we'd love to, to chat with them as well. Um, if you want a Liberty Youth Academy in your area, you can go to our webpage, libertyyouthacademy.org and fill out the contact page. Um, it, we can chat with you and we can talk about it um, and figure out maybe how we get something like that set up. Um, just be aware it's going to take some work and we'll help you, but it's, man, it is so much, it is such a rewarding, such a rewarding path for sure. But, um, we are in need of help. We are a nonprofit. Um, you know, so, so any help there just helps us expand this, helps us keep our tuition low and helps us get to be a little bit more competitive with our pay to our teachers. <laughs> as, as a nonprofit, are you eligible for federal grants? Um, there are some grants and we're looking into grants and, um, but a lot of those require you not to include God, especially if you're dealing with religion. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Those In fact, one of the one greedy, of the uh, federal, federal dollar strings. Yeah, unfortunately. And that again, that's another reason why, like, you know, that's a, a freedom that's been lost. That's not constitutional. The fact that that's there, the SBA, you can't get a loan if you're too religious. Um, we tried that. We tried that. Yeah, it didn't work. Um, you know, that that's not constitutional. We just don't realize these things have happened to our country. Um, so all the more reason that's why so kids have got to be educated in this way. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we will, uh, we will blast this out for everybody. Um, especially those people who are in the, um, in, in Arizona, in that area. Um, I think this is, you guys are doing something super awesome. I love the vision. I love everything that we've talked about. Uh, I very rarely come away from our episodes with, with guests and think, I don't think they said anything that I really disagree with here. Uh, what's one of your takeaways? <laughs> um, one of my takeaways was everything that had to do with standing in holy places and creating the holy place for our kids and training them up to know God. I just, I loved everything about that, whether it's going to Liberty Youth Academy or homeschooling or just parenting in general, like our job is to train them to know God. And I love that. So, yeah. Well, 
And I appreciate you letting us come on. That is one of the big things we wanted to get out of this. Yes, we need help and we could use it to continue growing, but we can't educate every kid. But if we can empower, you know, a hundred parents to feel like, you know, maybe I can do this. Um, mm-hmm. That that's a success because they're, we're going to get get there in a lot of different avenues. We're taking one of those paths, but there's lots of different paths to that holy place and that safe education. For right. kids. And, and, and the and key go- here. So yeah. to kind of build off what you're saying, the key here was one of my takeaways is that there are principles that we've identified and we've discussed here today. Um, and we have talked about how we are each individually applying these principles in raising our kids and in trying to help other people raise their kids around, around us. Uh, but in the end, take these principles and go and pray to the Lord and seek revelation, whatever that revelation is, that revelation might look very different than the revelation we have gotten. It it might be send your kids to public school. It might be send your kids to boarding school in Zimbabwe, whatever it is, (laughs) whatever the revelation is, go with the revelation, right? Because the, the Lord doesn't use logic. He doesn't need logic, right? Like he's obviously logical in his way. Like he understands everything perfectly, but he doesn't operate in like uh, an earthly logic. He mm-hmm. he's able to say, Moses, pick up your staff and turn into a snake or Moses, like smack the water mm-hmm. and part the red sea. Right. So like the, the Lord doesn't operate in the constraints of earthly logic. And so when we expect him to, we're limiting the type of answers he's going to give us. So that was probably my, my biggest takeaway. So whatever this is, whatever your answer is for you, whatever your revelation is, do it. Even if it doesn't make any sense, trust revelation and do it. Yeah. Yep. And get ready for a fun ride. Yeah. It's always a blast. Mm-hmm. I forgot to include this in the, in the outline. So I apologize. Okay. I didn't give you a heads up to answer this, yeah. uh, but we ask all of our guests at the end, right. uh, what are you doing to make your home and outpost of heaven. It could be anything totally related to our topic here or totally unrelated. I think for me, it is very much what we try to do in the school. Um, just making the Lord a part of everything, um, whether it's folding laundry or doing dishes or making dinner or whatever it is. Um, there's a lot of, you know, the mundane that we have to do in our homes. Um, but God is a part of it all. And um, I think having those open and honest and candid conversations with our kids when they come up um, and helping them draw the parallels to see God in their lives and to see God in the mundane um, is one of the ways that I try to do that. Yeah. And for me, I think um, there's there's lots of ways, I guess. But one of them is, you know, this is... um, we see this as our mission, the school, but our kids are a part of that too. So we bring them along with us. We let them be a part of the, um, some of the decisions, you know, the faith promoting stories, helping them see the miracles and letting them be a part of the work. Um, I think so much of our culture is in entertain me and retire at 55 so I can live in leisure the rest of our life, you know, the rest of our life. Well, well, 55, I'm thinking like 35 here. That's what (laughs) (laughs) I've already missed that boat. Um, (laughs) And then you jumped into uh, primary education. You're, you're not getting on that boat. (laughs) No, no. And that's one thing that we've learned something that, you know, discipleship is about work. You know, Mm -hmm. God is not sitting on some celestial beach somewhere, kicking back, drinking coconut juice, right? Life and eternity is about 
being anxiously involved in good work. And the more you can get your kids anxiously involved in good work and off the couch and away from screens and off of video games, um, the better off they're going to be here, but the better off they're going to be in their preparation for what the eternities look like. Awesome. I love this. Um, again, I, I apologize to our, our listeners if, if this has been too long, but I feel like I could just keep talking to you guys. Um, I'm excited to, to get out to Arizona at some point. We're out there pretty frequently because that's where Emily's family is and to awesome. come down and, and check out the uh, Liberty Youth Academy. And eventually I, I would love to, to Emily and I were talking about how I would love to have one. Don't get hasty. To, to start one out here. <laughs> me. I don't know what that would look like. We have a few years for <laughs> that would even be almost feasible, but um, <laughs> I, I'm excited to come down and visit you guys. Awesome. We'd love awesome. to have you. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We really appreciate it. And we're so grateful for um, you guys kind of empowering us and our listeners to, to do better. Speaking of which, you wonderful listeners, if you are enjoying this episode or any of our other episodes, please rate us, like us, subscribe to us, do all those good things. And I think especially this episode, this would there's so much good information here. Please share this with somebody you think that would benefit from mm-hmm. this or somebody who's in the area that... Um, is, if you're in Sarita or St. George yeah right? and you're trying to figure out where what to do with your kid and like where to send them to school or you know somebody like hey like there's somebody that I know that loves construction work and has just been itching to donate you know a million dollars worth of labor and, <laughs> and facility and all those kind of things hook <laughs> <laughs> a guy up here so uh, we love you guys keep the faith bye bye